Hello, wrenches, and welcome to the Wrenchters Podcast, 10 Mil Mastery Edition, the show where the lads and I, Mr. Joshua Taylor, discuss topics that are relevant to today's technicians and, especially today, service leaders. Russell brought up a great question for today's topic. How do we help leaders pick apprentices? Let's get into it. Great question. And leading into Russell, you had uh, you said you had something leading in from we're talking about apprentices and you training apprentices. What was your question, Russell? So um, I was really spoiled with my first apprentice. Uh, great guy, older, so uh, he had some maturity with him. Uh, second apprentice at three weeks in got fired. Um, first time that I was actually involved in picking someone and looking back I can recognize that I should have not even picked the guy because the entire time we were in the interview every 10-15 seconds he's pulling out and looking at his phone um, so you know for me that was a huge red flag that um, I missed so when I know all of you have worked with apprentices in the past um, if you get the option to select your apprentice, what do you look for in that person that helps you pick somebody that's going to be successful <clears throat> in the field? Awesome, Stefan. I want you to go first. <laughs> I don't. I don't think that's that's a question you can really ask in an interview. How do you know they're going to be successful? You don't. You have no idea what's coming through that door. Whether it's an 18-year-old kid at a high school or a guy starting a second or third career. So I think that success comes down to, does he have the environment to support his learning style perhaps? Is he someone who gets bent out of shape if he gets a little bit of ridicule? Uh, is he a smart ass? All these things are gonna come through the gate. So, you know, during an interview process, think about it, when was the last time you interviewed for a job? It might've been 10, 15 years ago. How nervous were you? You know, and, and kids these days, you know, your cell phone is a part of who you are. You're, you have all the information at your fingertips and it might just be a, a nervous tick or he's really into his cell phone. No different than trying to ask someone if they smoke. We've all seen smoke breaks take 10, 15 minutes sometimes and you're going, Man, where the hell is this guy? You know, I think what I look for in, in an apprentice is, are they even happy to be sitting in that seat? What's their general mood that day? They're coming into a dealership and they're pretty pumped up about it. Okay, cool. I was once that kid, pretty pumped up about it. Maybe I can use this for about five years before the realities of flat rate and, and the OEM world sort of trickle in and really change that innocence of a young child. But you got to work with it and you got to keep them motivated as much as possible. So, you know, regardless of what comes through the gate, I, I just try to give them what I want when I was that age. I want to see the shiny new dealership, the new cars, the coffee machine, you know, the pretty receptionist, something, something to get them interested in coming into work. Because unfortunately, you know, there's a lot of pushes from the OEMs that make the job really kind of suck. And you just got to keep it light and you got to keep it fun. I mean, I'm in the OEM dealerships now over 15 years, but my humble beginning was at a Canadian Tire in high school. And you know, every time I pass a Canadian Tire with the shop doors open on a Saturday and I see that loop line 15 cars deep and I'm just there to get, you know, something for the house, 
and I look inside the shop and I'm like, wow, they still got the same, you know, tire dunker for water or air leaks. And, uh, you know, it just, it's a whirlwind. It brings back a lot of fun, actually, I had when I was young. So I, I want to make sure that for an apprentice, at least they can communicate and they talk and they genuinely look like they're interested or at least a little bit curious about starting in an OEM brand at a dealership level. And if it's a smaller shop, something to drive them, whether it's a hobby off hours, ask them some personal questions. I think you got to connect with apprentices more on a social level and really just get their mental health sense. How are they going to learn? Am I a good teacher for that kind of learning environment? Because I'm finding ways to try to connect with the different kids that I got working under me. And it's it's a little bit of a challenge. What you can do with one might not necessarily work with another. So I just look to see if, if they're willing to communicate with me, I'll, I'll communicate with them. And I, I think that's where it's got to start. Awesome. Marshall, you're, you're going through this on a fairly regular basis every like seven to nine months, and you're fairly integrated with the hiring process. What's, what's maybe not all, um, but what's like maybe one key tidbit to help you help you with with Russell? Um, I choose my apprentices uh, based off of personality. So, um, well, a couple of things, but mainly personality. So, I'm gonna spend 50 hours a week, uh, pretty regularly with that apprentice. Maybe more one week, maybe a little less the next week, but for the most part, averagely about 50 hours a week, one on one our personalities have to mesh um so we have to work together and if they have a, a personality that bumps with mine it's not going to work for 50 hours a week for six months seven months eight months so i typically choose them based on their personality i also um it's difficult in the interview setting to get them to open up and get some personality out of them so I like to go with our recruiters to the recruiting events at the colleges and meet them on a not so uh, professional manner where I can cut up with them and get to know their personalities. And then when I go back to the recruiter, I'm like, I want that one and I like that one and I like that one. Those are the ones you guys should go after. And if they get one of the three that I pointed out, I'm happy. Um, so that's awesome. usually, and then usually I, I tell them it's a 50 hour deal. Nobody's going to force you to work 50 hours, but I need that out of my apprentices. We can't force you to work more than 40 hours, but you're going to be in a service truck with me and I work 50 hours. <laughs> if it, it is what it is. And, and at the end of the day, this is where you know, Caroline and I, my wife, we were having this discussion yesterday difference between the younger generation and the older generation and I, I honestly believe that I, I have to believe and I do believe that the younger generation isn't unwilling to work and I think my wife said this well is it's, they need to work the way they want to work and I think they're headstrong and intelligent enough to understand that they have options and it's not an understanding that in a hiring process it's not you as a dealership or as a service leader as a, or as a technician picking uh, a candidate, it's just as much them picking you. 
And if the fit isn't there, and, and I use fit, the word fit a lot, fit matters, right? Fit really matters, personality-wise, characteristic-wise, hobby-wise. Like, I, I bring this up in, 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 you know, past sessions, that if, as a 40-year-old married with children man walks into a shop with nothing but 25-year-old young men who aren't married, who don't have children, even from a fundamentals of ethics, morals, life experience, we're not even close to the same level. Yes, there's a level of adaptability that has to be there from both sides of that coin, but if it, it when you've got that many people that are so far apart, they're just not going to work. From a personality standpoint, Marshall, I think you're wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly correct. Like you got to, your personality's got to jive, especially when you're in an environment where you got to work 50 hours. Like it, it's not, you know, you're not calling in sick tomorrow because we worked 10 hours yesterday. Like I'm, I'm sorry, the long day yesterday. Guess what? It's gonna be a long day today. It's gonna be a long day tomorrow. It's gonna be a long day every day until Friday. And on Friday, it's gonna be a long day too, whether you want to work long day on Friday or not. But when we get home on Friday night, guess what? You get two days off. Get your weekend, you recover, because guess what? Next week, it's going to be a long day on Monday, a long day on Tuesday, a long day on Thursday, and so on and so forth. So they need to understand that if they want in this trade and they want to be successful in this trade, that there's a certain level of conformity to a degree that needs to happen. Yes, they can ask, ask to be flexible, and that those are questions to help you, Russell, in, in interviews. Like, how willing are they to be flexible? If, if they're not willing to be flexible at all, that's going to be a problem. If they're not willing to, to adapt to the team, that's going to be a problem. If they're not willing to, to respect authority, but also be open to conversation to understand, okay, if they don't respect, and this is where the respect part comes in, if they don't understand why, it's not disrespectful to ask why. It's disre I would almost say it's disrespectful not to if you don't understand. Don't just do the job because you're being told to. Understand why because it will make you a better technician. And then learn how to ask it respectfully. Because you don't tell somebody to fuck off. That's not right. That's not how you ask why. <laughs> right? That, that's not. And, and honestly, a lot of us I, – I know all, all of us have done it at least once. And I know all of us have experienced technicians and, and apprentices that will say it that way because that's their way of saying why, because they don't understand. We need to teach them, and I think that's where that first three weeks, unfortunately, they didn't learn how to be respectful in a short period of time. They've never been taught, and it's awfully hard to teach and grow apprentices when they've never been told how, taught how to be respectful in the first place because that's, I think, for most of us, if not all of us, being respectful comes first in personality. You can't get anywhere if you're not respectful well, as an apprentice. And like it's everything with your apprentice uh, apprenticeship, Russell, is just like, I'm not saying we treat our people like we're back in the military, but everything that we do should have a purpose, right? So the purpose behind me working 50 hours, I don't have to work 50 hours to make my money. I work 50 hours with my apprentices because it teaches them perseverance. It teaches them how to grind because when they're out on their own after eight months, if they want to make money at what their pay is, they got to work 50 hours. 
if I start working them at 50 hours right off the rip, at, when they break out at eight months by themselves, they work 50 hours. And that's all they know. They know that's what they do. If I work 50 hours, this is what my paycheck's going to be. If I work 45 hours, this is what my paycheck's going to be. Every little thing that I do is literally has a purpose. So like when I take on an apprentice, another example is I take on an apprentice, the first three weeks I'm teaching them how to do paperwork. They write all of my stories. Every, every story, they write their stories and they write my stories. I fix a truck, they're writing my story. Because I, it, at an accelerated rate, I'm teaching them how to write stories properly. Not because I'm lazy and don't want to write my own stories and use them as a receptionist, but they have to learn how to write a good story in eight months and be able to break out on their own and be able to just go out there and kill it. So every little thing that I do in my apprenticeship for that accelerated time, it, it's all for a reason because once they break out, they're on their own. They got me, they can call me and bounce stuff off of me, but they, they've got to go out on their own and make money and you're not always going to be able to, to save them, Russell. 100%. 100%. Richard, I know you're, you're actively looking so what is what is one thing that you can share with Russell to help help choose? I well, so right now I'm I'm hiring one guy. He's a student high school student. He came to us. He actually actively came to us because I had posted an ad and I was like, "Okay, yeah, we'll give you I'll give everybody a, a chance, right? Like if Experienced journeyman, that's one thing. You can usually tell with an interview process if they're going to be a good fit for the shop or not. But these people, these young folks walking in the door, I hate that term young folks. It makes me feel like I'm 80. But uh, I will I will give anybody walking in my door who wants an apprenticeship a chance, right? They, If they really want to be in this industry, my first question usually is, you know, what do you like to do in your spare time? And it's like, you know, I love to wrench on my car. I love to do, you know, I love to work on my vehicle. Usually from there, it's like, hey, you know, you're going to, you're going to grow to, to hate that. Right. The, I always use the term like never, never make your hobby your career because you will come to hate that hobby. Uh, so, but if they're mechanically inclined, you know, I've always been of the opinion that it's always the, the kids that have kind of struggled in school, you know, they have, you have all these terms now for it, you know, ADHD and all these uh, labels that they put on these, some, some of these kids walking in. And a lot of the times all they need is, you know, they need to be kept busy and their focus is insane. They learn, they have drive. There's a, there's a pretty big gap in the generation where you see where they focused on, you know, really pushing post-secondary, pushing universities. You see, you can actually see this in the, the current career uh, path of a lot of people where they, you know, they, they come out of university with, you know, six figures worth of debt and they're flipping burgers at McDonald's, right? Cause they, they're, they were pushed towards this path. And I'm, I know from my perspective, having, you know, kids in their twenties, I'm seeing it start to get, there's a lot of pushback now from these generations. And 
I'm starting to see more, more of the trades get interested people in that. And now it's just a matter of bringing them in and asking them. And a lot of it comes down to like Marshall was saying, personality and respect. That's the big thing. I know Stefan, you were talking about how if they have their, if the, the phone is like the, the cigarette, but people don't smoke during interviews. Not anymore. Right. They, we, we put, we put laws in place and, <laughs> and all that where, yeah, we're, but if somebody's going to, and I've had this problem with, with fully licensed technicians walking around on their phone. I had one guy that used to work with me and he wanted to follow me to the, the GM store, knowing that I am in a leadership position and, and I have influence and all that. And he was like, Hey, come on, I'm, I'm going to come and apply. And I said, no, you're not. Like until you learn how to manage that addiction, because it is, if somebody is constantly on their phone, it's like smoking, smoking, still an addiction. If you, if they're constantly on their phone, it's still an addiction until they learn how to manage that. They're not going to be they're They're not going to be able to put a hundred percent into the, into the job at hand. Right. So in that aspect, Russell, if somebody pulled their phone out in an interview, I would just continue with the interview process and be like, this is not the candidate for me. You can tell a lot with personality and, and certain leading questions during an interview, right? Like, what do you like to do in your spare time? You know, do you, you know, what, if, if I were to sit you down with a difficult situation, how would you react? Right? Like those are all your basic management interview questions. Right. But a lot of it comes down to respect and, and drive. Right. So. The only thing I would add to add to Richard's statement here is if you are having trouble, if you are part of the hiring process and you're in the interviews with your leadership, Russell, and you're actively participating in the interviews, um, there are questions. And so Richard alluded to, you know, typical management hiring questions that you ask. The challenge with those typical hiring questions is they don't personalize to the individual. Typically, they'll give you a, a, a broad answer and they're, they can be very canned answers. I would suggest to you if you are part of those interviews find go online because there's lots of resources on LinkedIn like Sandy Zanino, Zanino is another person that you should connect with if you want to understand a little bit better about HR and, and hiring and there's lots of other uh, HR professionals and content creators out there that you could look to for more unique questions that are non-standard that might get you a more specific answer because these are questions that are non-standard. So when they're non-standard, I mean, like, let me let me be more specific. So when I ask uh, my son when he gets off the bus, you know, how was your day? I don't ask how was your day. I ask what did what did you learn in math class this afternoon? So I'm specific with the time. I'm specific with the thing I'm asking about. And these are things typically not done in interview questions because they're broad spectrum questions looking for an overall thought pattern, but they, they can become very canned. And somebody who is actively interviewing, even techs who may be, you know, C techs, D techs, who may not have uh, a full dipstick, um, they will know typically off the top of their head, memorize quick answers to be able to divert. When you get very specifically asked questions, they have to think on the spot on their feet. And that's that's a great way to kind of relate to Richard's answer where they have to come up with a problem-solving answer to the question you're asking that's very specific to them. 
that would be a way to kind of utilize personality, like we're talking about with Marshall and how we're t- talking about, you know, each individual step that we've all mentioned is going to help you. Um, I think you need to utilize all of them to help identify red flags, you know, utilizing their phone on a regular basis. Yes, that could be, and, and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll parrot that is it could be a nervous tick. That that's what they go to. They, they're nervous, so they go to their phone. That might not be a. They're addicted to their phone. It's a. It's it's how they escape. And I think that's part of a generation where they don't know anything else. That's their escape. So when things are hard, that's what they go to. Instead of looking up and looking the person square in their face, it's like I'm nervous. I'm sorry that I'm nervous. Um, can you help with that? I I, I want to be as as helpful as I can. Being nervous in an interview is not going to mean that they're nervous on the shop floor, right? You have to get, and to, to Marshall's point, being in a somewhat social setting where there's less pressure, less stress, getting to understand them a little better. And that's not always necessarily a capable thing for you to do or your leadership to be capable to do, but getting them in a position where they feel comfortable to talk and and enunciate and, and carry a conversation the way you would want to and expect to in the shop, that might be helpful. That's a great question. Russell, great question. Great question. Oh no! That's the end of another episode, wrenches! That's okay. You can another one next week. On Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, and on Saturday, every week. Folks, thank you for listening and watching on your streaming service of choice. So don't forget to like, comment, share, even maybe hit that rating button or the thumb button below. I appreciate you. We appreciate you, the gentlemen, the lads. We thank you very much for listening and watching. Remember, folks, negative pushes, positive pulls, and always clean your toys before you put them away.